Hey guys, a couple weeks ago, I was able to connect with Lindsay Lyons, the assistant director at the Center for Sustainability Education on campus here at Dickinson College. Uh, we spoke a little bit about where I was going to take this podcast and other ways I might be able to benefit the school um, through this sort of project that I'm running. Um, and a name that came up through that conversation was Kendra Beaver. Um, Kendra graduated in 2020 and she was the waste minimalization intern here at Dickinson College. So today I was lucky enough to sit down with Kendra and we just talked openly about our own personal sustainability practices, areas we see that Dickinson could improve um, and her role as the WMI intern. So stay tuned if you wanna hear more from Kendra and thank you again. So this week, I am lucky enough to be speaking with Kendra Beaver, the former waste management intern at Dickinson College. Um, Kendra, how are you doing today? I am well, thank you. I'm glad to be having the opportunity to speak with you. Awesome. So can you tell me a little bit more about yourself um, and maybe your time on campus and what you were involved in? Sure. So at Dickinson, I studied environmental studies with a political science minor. Um, my sophomore year, I was a resident of the Treehouse and I interned at Project Share. I was on the Environmental Studies Majors Committee for three years and on the board of the Arts Collective for two and a half. And during my senior year, like you said, I worked as the Waste Minimization Intern at CIS and I was a Baird Sustainability Fellow. Okay, cool. Um, and what are you up to now post-grad? If that's not a stressful question. <laughs> um, right now, I'm currently working in the philanthropy field as a program associate at the Merck Family Fund in Boston. So um, their grant making is heavily focused on the environment, be it land conservation or energy efficiency, urban agriculture or youth leadership. So it's in that way that I've kind of connected to them. I didn't really see myself necessarily going into philanthropy um, before graduating, but it worked out that their interests heavily align with mine and I'm learning some interesting things about kind of the backside of nonprofit work and how, you know, they need funding and how that process goes. Awesome, so you didn't envision yourself necessarily doing nonprofit. I, I did think, of, well, Merck Family Fund is technically a nonprofit, but it's essentially a family foundation. So it's very different than working for a real nonprofit. Well, <laughs> real nonprofit <laughs> is the right word, but. Um, an organization that's a nonprofit that is getting funding. So I have worked for many nonprofits in the past and I thought that that's where I would be because I like kind of being the on the ground work um, rather than the funding the on the ground work. But it's still interesting to see how decisions are made about who and where to fund um, and what particular um, organizations or work foundations who have the privilege to be giving out grants find most important at that time. But it works awesome. for now and it's a one year position. So I will oh, that's nice. probably be, <laughs> I know, so it ends in the fall. That's really nice. So I will hopefully be going into a more um, active role. Yeah, this. I'm side note, trying to get a job <laughs> um, as a senior, um, but those like those like apprentice positions or like they call them like temporary associates or like glorified internships like right. they're kind, kind of a deal yeah yeah you get to like test it but then you don't have to stick around if you don't want to mm -hmm. 
yeah those are super appealing um yeah I wish you luck it's it's hard like (laughs) even so and then as I'm sure you've had this conversation a million times but given COVID it's especially difficult oh yeah (laughs) yep (laughs) had those conversations with anacondas like weekly (laughs) right um but um so I said before I started recording this but I truly don't really know what it means to be the waste minimalization intern um so what were some of your like main duties or things you did um weekly daily whatever it was Mm -hmm. yeah so broadly because we did a lot of things that year we hosted a summit and had lots of events especially around carbon neutrality but my particular role that was more individualized rather than working with the team was researching developing and implementing strategies to improve waste reduction practices across campus and also acting as a liaison for other colleges or universities or particular individuals on campus who are looking to do some sort of waste minimization strategy but I was also very heavily involved in the on-campus clothing swap shop, the free exchange, um, which has been around for a few years now, um, but it had recently moved into Allison. Um, it had a new location. So um, kind of raising awareness for that, getting people to come through and see the opportunity to give and take clothing freely um in keeping the space clean and organizing events around that was another big aspect of my role yeah I lived in outhouse um my sophomore and then my junior year when I came back from abroad and I was telling Lindsay when I called her um prior I was like every single one of my Halloween costumes like we would just run over to free exchange (laughs) we were like make a Halloween costume and like leave I brought all my like Dickinson stuff that I don't personally like need to take with me post-grad just to like drop it free exchange so I'm no stranger (laughs) to free exchange I think it's such a funny concept um that you normally wouldn't hear about on a college campus I know Mm -hmm. I talk about it on tours all the time because I think it's really unique um but to your knowledge I guess this is like just a little question to your knowledge like does anyone else do this type of thing I remember doing some research about other schools that were doing a similar program but it seemed more formal and less accessible than I think our free exchange and that um there was and I think these were larger universities too so it made more sense for them in this way maybe but there was more of a designated space there was kind of someone who I think was paid to be there during their opening hours um and some of them had I think charged for some of the secondhand clothing Oh, wow. Um, so it differed in that way in that like the free exchange at Dickinson is open 24 seven with card access. Um, like I said, it's absolutely free to just spend time in the space, take anything, give anything, um, et cetera. So I think there's benefits and some disadvantages to being that um, decentralized. But I do think that the accessibility that our free exchange has is, is, is especially unique to Dickinson. Yeah, definitely. I, now that you mentioned it, like a school, a large school running like a Goodwill. Literally, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a little funny to think about it like that. Um, but like, it makes sense. Like, even if they do charge like the Goodwill prices of like a dollar or two for like mm-hmm. an item, like even to hear a large school doing that is, gives me hope. <laughs> right. It's better than, um, you know, people either just throwing out those clothes or... Yeah 
I don't know, keeping it in the loop longer than it needs to be if they're not really using them. So yeah, that's good. And there's things to, I mean, it would be nice if there was, I think like someone working at the free exchange, at least for part of the day, every day, maybe so that people could have a little bit of an introduction if they're new to the space or just so that there is a better way to keep it clean. Um, I mean, of course, as waste minimization intern, I was paid to be there, but that wasn't like kind of a full-time job that was part of my work. So I think that's something that particularly Dickinson could consider, but I think keeping it free is super important. Yeah, definitely. And get just spreading awareness. Cause I have gotten asked where like the Halloween costumes again, got asked where like that random piece is from. I was like, Oh, Allison Hall. <laughs> right. So people don't really know it's there. I, I have friends that use it, but then I have friends who like have no idea that we have something yeah. like that. So that is super important to spread awareness as well. Um, so we covered a little bit, I mean, sustainable values that it promotes, like the whole thrifting idea, the recycling of mm -hmm. clothing um, and extending the life cycle of clothing also, yeah. I think it definitely adds to that. Totally. And I think at Dickinson too, and as a student and you kind of have like access to all these dumpsters and there's the bookstore and I know I feel like as a young person we tend to be buying a lot I think it also makes people maybe step back and think a little bit about how and how long they're using their clothing but also just stuff in general um and you know whether if there's infrastructure to promote it like the free exchange if that stuff could have a second or third or fourth life um and stay out of the landfill yeah I was talking with Lindsay on our first call and she, I never thought about it like this, but she was like, when students come to campus and bring their like consumers and practices like Amazon or just like daily online buying, like mm -hmm. it's now up to Dickinson to like absorb their footprint. Right. Never thought about it like that. Um, but it has me consciously like, no, you don't like either you don't need to order that or with COVID now it's harder to run out and get stuff, but mm -hmm. it has me consciously thinking about like, really thinking want or need and thinking totally. about the impact of just even ordering Amazon like once a week is like right. it's just not necessary yeah but when you put it like that it it hit <laughs> it had me panicked <laughs> yeah I don't think I quite realized that either until I was working at season we were talking about um kind of like how our carbon footprint works and how I was uh, part of my job was also working with the cardboard and plastic film waste streams and the plastic packaging that most Amazon packages come in is part of the plastic film waste stream. And weekly, I would be collecting those bags to bring back to Cease, which would we would then give to Giant, who would recycle them and turn them into benches and other like plastic woodware and whatnot. But it was overwhelming sometimes, you know, how uh, and yeah. and Amazon is a great example but even Amazon aside you know just like constantly online shopping and you know I'm no like I'm not excusing myself from that of course but same I it's do good it to think about. it's good to think about and yeah I'm appreciative that Dickinson had all of the waste stream recycling options that they do um because it makes you feel a little less bad but I do think that there's such an important um moment in thinking about before you even buy it rather than the after you get it and what to do with it now considering mm -hmm. it's like you said it's a want or a need yeah I yeah sometimes it just like 
overwhelms me when I like today's recycling day I was just looking out at the trash it was all Amazon boxes mm-hmm. and like I don't contribute to much of that but it just like sometimes it could be a lot and I start to panic but yeah totally, just one yeah. person changing their like practice can help <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. oh well <laughs> <laughs> we're trying <laughs> right um so when you were on campus as the intern is there a program or an initiative that you wish um you could have implemented or possibly you wish to see in the future implemented Mm -hmm. yeah um i'm thinking like less so something that maybe i personally could have done but definitely something that i and the student body and anyone else who's part of dickinson could have and continue to um push right now I think is divestment from fossil fuels. Um, after we reach carbon neutrality and arguably before or instead of reaching carbon neutrality, I think we should have immediately begun to strategize for divestment just because I think it's antithetical to Dickinson's values of sustainability and a global perspective and working for the common good yep. <laughs> um, when our whole world as a whole and people around it, particularly those who contribute least to climate change, are feeling the detrimental and sometimes deadly effects of extracting, transporting, and burning fossil fuels that Dickinson continues to contribute to. Um, And of course, Dickinson isn't the only one or the only college or, you know, everyone is also in some way or another um, consuming fossil fuels. But I know that it can and must be done. (laughs) And I know that um, some of the logistics I'm not as well versed in as other students on campus are, but I think it's something that Dickinson needs to be prioritizing right now, especially because, and this is something I'm really proud of and I think Dickinson should be proud of too. The rest of our waste management, I think is so good. Cause you know, you sent me these questions in advance and I was thinking about what particular program I would think about implementing. And I'm like, you know, the fact that Dickinson composts as they do. Um, and like I was saying, we have all these different waste streams be it plastic film or e-waste. I think there's, there's nothing as large and as impactful, be it challenging, right? And something that would be a lot to implement um, than divestment that we could do at this moment that I think would really impact um, the world in a really positive way. Yeah, I remember, I think it was my sophomore year when people were chalking Divest Dickinson on Britain mm-hmm. and I had to go home and I like had to Google and look into it. I was like, so, we do tout like tote ourselves around as like, especially as a tour guide, like we are told to speak about sustainability and our rank and what we do and like the lead certified buildings. Um, it is like part of coming to Dickinson. It's a huge piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was reading about it and I was talking with Aspar at one point and I was just like, wow. So up front, we show that piece, yeah. but behind it, we're not necessarily to the very bottom practicing it to a T. Um, and I will say like Dickinson, like talks the talk and they back it up 95% of the time. They are like incredibly great at a lot of things. Um, but to hear about the investment still in, um, oil companies, even if it's just the tiniest bit, um, it's a tiny bit. So like invest that elsewhere. Like, Like if it's such a tiny amount, right. Then it really shouldn't be too big of a deal to move out from it. And I think Dickinson, like you said, deserves to be considered a sustainability leader in American colleges and universities. But if we want to keep that going, you know, thinking about what the next step is, that was a big question for me when I was a senior 
I was chatting with other seniors and we were hitting this carbon neutrality because my class entered in, we were the class of carbon neutrality. But then upon thinking about and hearing about, you know, concerns about diamond, the question of what's next, I think really hit home. And I think Dickinson has a perfect opportunity to continue to be an amazing leader in sustainability and a radical one if they follow the other colleges and universities in the country who have divested. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I even think the email they sent out after like people were raising awareness and the email they sent out was like, it is, it is a small piece. Like it's just a little bit of investment. And everyone's like, hey, get rid of it. Like <laughs> it just then get rid of it. Like if you're, if you're admitting it's tiny, like just move it elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was funny. I do remember that. Yeah. Um, so what are some things you may have taken from the internship or just in general life practices at Dickinson that you've taken post-grad um, that you've maintained um, sustainability it could pertain to clothing anything honestly just how has your lifestyle sort of changed post-grad and what did you take from Dickinson yeah I think it's partially due to Dickinson but also partially just due to my own interests um and I must say, like living in the treehouse my sophomore year when I was still kind of, I was an undergrad, of course, not an undergrad, sorry, an underclassman. <laughs> and I was still kind of developing my broader concept of environmentalism that I came in with. Um, waste became really important to me in the middle of my college career. And clothing seemed to fit the bill really well. Um, in that I feel like I had a lot of control over the clothing that I wear and where I get it from, and who's making it, and what the materials are. Um, so in January, 2019, which was my junior spring semester, I pledged to never again purchase virgin clothing. So, you know, like firsthand clothing or jewelry shoes or other accessories from brands, um, that are not rated at least four, four, five, four or five stars on the resource online, which is called goodonyou.eco. It's a website that does some phenomenal brand ratings um, and suggestions for ethical um, alternatives to brands that are really unsustainable and quite unethical, which is pretty much fast fashion restaurants, fast fashion stores (laughs) and the majority of popular brands. You know, we think of H&M as the epitome of fast fashion, um, but there are brands like maybe Free People or Anthropology that seem a little cooler and maybe a little less so but are still just as unethical. They just have a higher price tag. Um, yeah, I was applying, sorry to jump in, but I was interviewing at Free People actually oh, wow. <laughs> um, as a stylist, like with textile. And I asked them a question about sustainability while interviewing. And it was, I was just like, hey, like I mentioned that like I go to a school where that's important. Like where, like, where do you guys source from? And it was a red flag, yeah. <laughs> the list. <laughs> so I got an upfront answer to that one. They were honest, but I think they thought that's like what I was excited to hear. They were like, well, like we get our cotton from like Bangladesh and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, that's actually where it's like really the worst and unethical right. place to get it. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, that, that one surprises people because I'm from Philly too. And that's based in Philly and oh, okay. everyone just sort of like eats that up. They're like, oh, free people, urban anthropology, like they're from here. Right. And people mm-hmm. assume because it's like from their city, it has this like small business feel to it almost just because mm-hmm. it's like from where you're from. Um, mm-hmm. 
but like the breakdown of what's in those things and where they source from, even their shipping methods are not great. <laughs> so yeah. that was just a Definitely. up close and personal interaction I have with something that's not necessarily perceived as fast fashion, but mm -hmm. it truly is at the end of the day and people don't really consider it one because it is more expensive. Yeah, that's really interesting because there are so many brands that I think surprised me when I first started this like no bad brands um, pledge essentially. Um, and the thing that's tough is that alternatives, unless you're buying secondhand, which was kind of like a second amendment to my pledge was that if I did decide to wear clothes from brands that were kind of unacceptable, it would have to be secondhand. Um, but something that's rough about that is that if, if you're not doing thrifted, the alternatives are pretty expensive and inaccessible. There's very few brands that I've found in some like really extensive research that I've just done on my own time that have um, ethical and sustainable clothes that are like in a reasonable price tag. <laughs> and yep. I think that's what sustainable fashion really needs to improve. Although there is the argument that like, you shouldn't be able to buy a t-shirt for like five bucks. <laughs> Just yeah. think about the people that made it and the fact that it probably was shipped across the world. You know, it's like that, the price of that isn't $5. Yeah. So I think it's, it's, it's partially um, like an industry change that needs to happen within the clothing industry in general. But I think it's also a change that needs to happen among individuals to think about like what the, what the true cost of their items are. And speaking of which, there's a great documentary called The True Cost. It's all about fast fashion um, that I would recommend to you, although it seems you may have seen it and any of your listeners. Yeah, <laughs> I it's, it goes with the Amazon packages. Like I, I love learning about this stuff and I love reading about it and I love further educating myself. Like I am a proud secondhand person. Like mm -hmm. I live and die for Poshmark, Depop, all that. Like, <laughs> um, but it does like I watch that stuff and it like makes my heart race. So sometimes I can't take it all in at times because I mm. panic because as someone who is doing the best I can and what I think is like great for what I can do right now as a student, it makes me panic because like even just like having roommates, like I don't have any packages coming in ever, but my roommates have like three times the amount I would. So like it's just hard to see like I think I'm making a change but then like you watch stuff like that and you're like oh it's not big enough like <laughs> yeah and I think that that sentiment is shared among other environmental issues and you know just the world's issues in general um but I do think that there is a great deal of importance in kind of like walking the talk um and of course like the studies show that shaming isn't going to do the trick so I think it's more important to inform people and lead by example and your consumption habits. Um, but I also think it's important to like not panic about the fact that you might not be able to do everything you want to do right at this moment. Yeah. And also know that, you know, you are not wholly responsible for the things that we're trying to change, which is hard to avoid sometimes. And, you know, everyone experiences yeah. <laughs> climate anxiety and things like that. But I think a really productive way to respond to that is things like thrifting or, or not necessarily thrifting, but changing your habits in a way that has a either less or better impact. Yeah, definitely. It feels like the way to the world sometimes, Yeah. but even just encouraging other people um, 
I have a friend right now who's like looking for if we have a graduation a graduation dress and I was like (laughs) (laughs) yeah wait yeah (laughs) you also were in the same boat (laughs) yeah she was like can you find me a dress I'm like yeah but like it's gonna be secondhand like if you're trying to contract me as a stylist like you gotta know like you're not gonna get something that most likely has a tag on it still (laughs) so you can contract me as a stylist but that's the like precursor (laughs) um yeah but just even doing that like I feel like I'm introducing her to like that side of things um yeah and one last question which I just now think is a good question because people have started to ask me um what is one thing you would tell yourself as like a freshman in college or even just any point in college Mm -hmm. I think I think what I would tell myself is that I should try harder to go out of my comfort zone to make lasting connections with people and particularly faculty and staff who may seem more out of reach than you know like your fellow students who share your passions and interests um and that I should have explored different things and connected with people outside of my usual bubble more so that I could have an even more enriching college experience and an even broader understanding of my studies and interests and finding you know I have this great group of um students and colleagues from Dickinson who I love and appreciate so much but speaking with other folks you learn that there was so much else out there um and I feel like I wish I had taken certain classes or certain professors and it's like kind of step back if you can and think about what you really want to get out um, of your experience and how you can do that and even though it may seem a little out of your norm I think it would have been worth it for me yeah, definitely. I now like this podcast thing I'm doing is a part of an independent study. I'm actually doing two of them. Um, yeah. And I like keep, I just tell everyone about it because I wish someone would have told me that like mm-hmm. it's possible that like if there isn't a class there for what you want to do, you could kind of just make one, um, right. which I don't think people necessarily know about. So I, I tell everyone <laughs> that I great. podcast. But, um, yeah, like I, I wish people knew more about the small like tweaks you can make just to, mm-hmm. I know it's cliche, make tickets in yours, <laughs> but, but, but so truly cool. like make, yeah, like I feel like I am living up to that right now and making Dickens in mind, but I wish someone would have told me there's like little things you can do um, that really make it the education that you want it to be. So yeah, I'm definitely. with you on that one. <laughs> Kudos to you for doing it though. That's awesome. Yeah it's a lot, <laughs> but it, it's fun overall. I do. I do. I'm so happy that I'm doing this versus mm-hmm. just sitting in a class. Um, and yeah, so that is all I have for you. Thank you so much for letting me interview. Come on today. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And I really appreciate the opportunity to share my thoughts. And again, I would highly recommend checking out the brand um, or the website, sorry, www.goodonyou.eco for all sorts of information, be it like background or checking if your favorite clothing brand is up to par or looking for suggestions for new routes. So, and thank you for for doing this, (laughs) continuing to spread that awareness.